Good morning to all of you. How are you doing? Well, you doing well? Were you surprised to wake up with it cold and windy? Yes, yes I was too. Palisade keeps playing tricks on us. So, hey, if you're new here, I do want to say welcome to the Mustard Seed Church. My name is Wayne, and I am the lead pastor here. And again, no pressure, but we'd love for you to fill out one of those connect cards and be able to hang out with you. So, uh, today we are finishing up our series on doing what Jesus did. And what we've been doing is, for the last 10 weeks, we've been looking at uh, what Jesus says in John 14, 12. He says, whoever believes in me will do the things that I do. So for the last 10 weeks, which I can't believe, one, that 10 weeks have gone by that fast, right? For the last 10 weeks, we've been looking at what is it that Jesus did. And so what we've looked at is one that he shared the good news. He shared the gospel. He brought healing and prophecy and prayer and deliverance. You know, Kirk preached last week on deliverance. Yeah, right on. And then we, he had community. And then he spent time with people who were far from God. Right? These are the, all the things that Jesus did, all the things that marked his life. But the thing that marked the life of Jesus the most, this is what I want you to grab. The thing that marked the life of Jesus the most, and Christians down through history, is that of compassion. It's the thing that marked his life the most. People from Mother Teresa to Billy Graham to Tim Keller to Martin Luther King Jr. all say the same thing. They just say it differently. And this is what it is. That the Christian life has to be marked by compassion. The Christian life has to be marked by compassion. And for most of us, this is probably where some of the tension is, is because for most of us, we probably don't think about compassion all that much. Who woke up this morning and said, I'm going to be compassionate today? Praise God. Right on. All right. We got one. But the thing is, is that most of us, we tend to not think about compassion that much. And I know for me, when I usually think about compassion, I think about it on two different ends of the spectrum. All right. On one end of the spectrum, my mind goes to like Mother Teresa. Right. Are you with me on that? Mother Teresa loving and serving those that nobody else would love and serve. And then on the other end of the spectrum, my brain, for those who have an absence of compassion, my brain goes to like Hitler or even now what we're seeing with Russia and Putin and all that kind of stuff, right? The absence of compassion. My brain goes to these two ends of the spectrum. And for me and you, we probably, hopefully, find ourselves more in the middle and hopefully more just towards the Mother Teresa end of things. You get what I'm saying? But the reality of it is, is that compassion is not something that we think about often. And there was a journal that I read uh, in the Scientific American is the name of it. And they stated that in the U.S. we are actually in a compassion decline. That across the U.S., just in mass numbers of people, our level of compassion for one another is slowly declining. Which we we would probably all agree we see that and maybe even feel that. And the reason being that they say that there is this compassion decline in our culture. is This is what they say. They say America is is a country in deep pain. The coronavirus pandemic, racial injustice, economic insecurity, political polarization, misinformation, and general daily uncertainty... 
dominate our lives to the point that many people are barely able to cope. Essentially what he's saying that it's hard to have compassion for people when all of this within our life, like we're, we're dealing with our own struggles in life. We have our own things that we're trying to work through and think through and feel through. And because of that, it's hard to have compassion for others. And because of that, the compassion level within our country is declining. And I don't know about you, but when I read that, I was like, man, that's real life for me. There is such a thing as like compassion fatigue. To where you just kind of, you feel like you're in the ringer and you're up against the ropes. And how are you supposed to feel for someone else when you're wanting someone to feel for you? There's this compassion decline within our country. And some of the things that uh, Americans think about the most, some of the things that we wrestle with the most as individuals, there was a Pew Research study done that said these are the things that we think about the most that sort of weigh heavy on us and decrease the compassion that we have for others because we're thinking about this stuff all the time. You ready for this list? I'm about to get some amens in here. I know this for sure. (laughs) Americans are thinking about the most affordability of health care. Affordability of college. Affordability of housing. Come on now, right? Drug addiction, sexism, terrorism, climate change... The federal budget deficit, economic equality, and illegal immigration. Just a list of like big picture stuff that Americans are wrestling with and trying to deal with. And I would say even personally, if you add on top of that, this is just me thinking personally, what if your kids are in school and being bullied? That weighs heavy. What if you're in retirement and you're trying to figure out, man, what's next for my life? That's heavy. What if you lost a loved one? That's heavy. Or maybe just for you, your life feels like it's running a hundred miles an hour. See, it's hard to feel compassion or to think about compassion for others because we ourselves are just trying to get by. But the question is this. How do we, as apprentices of Jesus, we keep coming back to this question, how do we, as apprentices of Jesus, live out of a place of compassion like he did? How do we do that? And I'm glad you asked. You see how I set it up right there? I was brilliant. How do we do that? How do we do what he did? Well, would you stand with me this morning as we read God's word? And we're actually going to see how, what did he do with compassion today. We're in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. We should have it on the screen for you. Here we go. Are we ready? Yeah. Let's pray real quick. Lord, we just thank you for your word. That your word is eternal. And you say heaven and earth could pass away, but your word will remain. And so, Lord, we, we place ourselves under your word this morning. Would you speak yes. to us? In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Matthew 9, verse 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. He's doing what he does. Verse 36. When he saw the crowds, here we go, he had compassion for them. 
Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Verse 38. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. We should be in Matthew 10. Yep. And he called him, this is Matthew 10, 1. We jumped over to chapter 10. And he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. And he proclaimed as you go. So we jumped to verse 7 because all he does in verse 2 through 3 is just like list the disciples' names. And he proclaimed as you go saying, he proclaimed saying as you go, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You say that. Verse 8. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You receive without pain, give without pain. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated. So did you catch that little part that, he, that they said in there that they mentioned? That he healed the sick and he, he freed them of all their affliction and disease. And then he actually comes out of the synagogue... He comes out of the church, right? And he looks at the crowd and says, I have compassion for them. So what we're going to do this morning is we're just going to kind of walk through this passage. We're just going to walk through it together and just highlight some things. And the first thing that we want to highlight is that he had compassion. That wasn't that big, huh? It kind of sounded like it was going to be surprising, but it wasn't. Matthew 9, 36, it says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. Now this word compassion literally means it's referring to a gut reaction. Have you ever seen that before? To where you've seen somebody go through things or have suffering and sorrow, and within your gut, you're like, Oh, I feel that. That's what he's talking about, compassion. It refers to a gut reaction. The Greek word literally means... To be moved in one's bowels. Which doesn't sound too good. Right? (laughs) That's the Greek word for it. To be moved in one's bowels. Is to have compassion. And I love what Eugene Peterson says in Matthew 9 in the message version. He says this. He says, Then Jesus made a circuit of all the towns and villages he taught in their meeting places. Reported kingdom news. And healed their diseased bodies. Healed their bruised and hurt lives. Check out what he says right here. Eugene Peterson in the message. When he looked over the crowds, his heart broke. When he looked over the crowds, his heart broke. And this is the typical case for Jesus. This is why I say it's what marks his life the most. Is that he moves and operates and functions in compassion couple of scriptures just to highlight this case to you in case you don't believe me. The first one is Matthew 14, verse 13. It says, Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. Right? He's had too much people time. And he's trying to get away and have some alone time. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot. They're chasing after him. I'm chasing you. The song we just sing, right? All right. <laughs> That was actually pretty good singing. you got to give me that, right? <laughs> Dang, I've been telling you to let me get a mic up there. She won't let me do it. <laughs> Verse 14, it says, When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. 
Again, seeing people and having compassion on them. Matthew 15. Matthew 15 verse 32. This is where Jesus feeds the 4,000 I believe. It says, Then Jesus called His disciples to Him and said, I have compassion on the crowd. Because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I am unwilling to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. We can just stop there with it. It just tells the story after that. But as you can see, man, this life of compassion, this broken heartedness that Jesus walked with, this tender heart that he had marked his ministry. It marked his life. It marked who he was. He lived out of this place of compassion. And I looked up, what is the definition for compassion? Not the being moved in your bowels one, because that one sounds weird, right? Well, what is like the definition for compassion that we can relate to? And this is what one person said that I, I, I read. They said, compassion refers to that sympathetic concern for the sorrows and suffering of others. It's the burden that we feel when we witness the grief of another, when we want to help alleviate someone's pain. It's this this thing that we feel in our gut that we want to help those and walk with those and alleviate those and serve those who are walking through suffering and sorrow. This is compassion. And this is why Paul says in Romans 12 that we are to rejoice when others rejoice and we are to weep with others when they weep. That we come alongside those and have a concern for those and their suffering and and their sorrow. And this is the same command that is for me and for you in doing what Jesus did. Paul mentions this in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 verse 12 he says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Who is he talking to there? He's talking to the church. Followers of Jesus. Christians. This is what I want you to do, Paul is saying. I want you to put on, because you're God's holy and beloved, what was the other one? Chosen ones, right? He's like, you are all this stuff, but I want you to put on compassionate hearts and kindness and humility and meekness and patience. Are we going to keep going? Let's keep going. Bearing with one another. And if one has to complain against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these things, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Paul is saying to the church, to followers of Jesus, because you are holy and beloved and chosen, that you put on compassionate hearts. That the first thing that we see, the first thing that people should see, can I say this? The first thing that people should see when they interact with you and me is compassion. The reason why Paul is saying this, to put on compassionate hearts, is because it's like you're putting on a robe. I don't have a robe, but if I did, you put on a robe and it's the outer garment that you see. It's the first thing that you see. If you were to walk into my house and I had a robe on, it would be the first thing that you would see. And you'd be like, oh gosh, Wayne. Put some clothes on, right? But it's this outer garment. It's this robe that I have put on. And so when people interact with you and me, when people rub shoulders with you and me, when people work with you and me, the first thing that they should see, Paul says, put on compassion. 
Let that be the outer garment that you're wearing. And this is the call for followers of Jesus. That we would have a concern for the sorrow and suffering of others. And it reminds me of the other day, man, it was super heartbreaking, but I was watching the NFL Combine. Anybody watch the NFL Combine? Wow, I'm the only one. Dang. No, you got it right on. I got one in here with me. All right. I was watching the NFL Combine, and this linebacker, who they're like, man, this guy's going to be drafted in like the top ten. He's like an animal. You know, he's just a freak of nature. Dude's amazing. He's going to be drafted in the top ten in the NFL draft in the first round. That's like millions of bucks. You know what I'm saying? And so he's running this drill, showcasing his skills to everyone. And they have him to where he has to backpedal real fast, and then come forward, and then backpedal real fast, and then come forward and catch the ball. And in doing so, he blows out his Achilles tendon. And he's laying on the field, holding his foot, and you can hear him screaming. And can I tell you, nobody came to his aid. They left him on the field. One of the guys actually went over there because when he caught the ball and blew his Achilles tendon, he dropped the ball. And the guy actually went over there and picked up the ball and then kept moving on. Left him on the field. I mean, eventually some people came, but it was just like he sat there for like five minutes by himself holding his foot in pain. And nobody had a concern for his sorrows or for his suffering. There's a decline of compassion in our country. And this is the tension is because for many of us, if I can just shoot straight, and I'm talking about myself here too. For many of us, we've become calloused to the suffering of others. For many of us, we've become numb to the sorrow of others. Or we've become too busy to be interrupted by the sorrow and suffering of others. Or we've lost the ability to weep with those who weep. And we have to reclaim this. This is why I believe and I love how Kurt shares this all the time. That the church is the hope of the world. Because he says, you will know that, they will know that you are my disciples how you love. How you love one another. We have to reclaim this heart Of compassion and concern in the suffering and sorrow of others. We have to pray and we have to say, Lord, would you break our hearts for what breaks yours? Would you soften our hearts, O God? That has to be our prayers. The Christian life has to be marked by compassion. How's everybody doing? The second thing that we see, we're just going to keep walking through this passage. The second thing that we see is he, those who need compassion. Those who need compassion. In Matthew 9.36, it says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. This is the question that I had when I was reading this passage. Why was this heartbreaking for people who were harassed and helpless? Like, what does that even mean? <clears throat> His heart broke for him. He had compassion for them. And what harassed and helpless means is that he saw the state of where people were at emotionally and physically. 
To be harassed and helpless means someone who is torn down, defeated, beat up. It actually literally means thrown down. You've hit the bottom. You can't catch a break. Life has just been beating you up. Harassed and helpless. And he saw that. His heart broke for them spiritually. He says that they were out, they were like sheep without a shepherd. And this reference to sheep without a shepherd, he's going all the way back in his mind to Numbers chapter 27. Don't you want to know the Bible like that? Where you're like quoting something from Deuteronomy, whatever, you know? I mean, I do. So, okay. Moving on. But like sheep without a shepherd is a quote that he references from Numbers 27. And we have it on the screen here. Numbers 27, verse 15, it says, Moses spoke to the Lord saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be as sheep that have no shepherd. Jesus, leave that up on the screen for us too, please. Jesus' mind went all the way back to that. And he looks at the crowd, comes out of the church, and looks at humanity and his heart breaks because they're spiritually all over the place. And what's happening in this passage here is that Moses was the one who led the people of Israel out of Egypt. And Moses was the one that stood between God and the people and going up the mountain. And if you've seen what's Charlton Heston, right? And the Exodus, whatever that's called, right? You see him with the Ten Commandments and it's between God and the people and he's in the middle. And what's happening here is that the people of Israel are going into the promised land and Moses is not going with them. And Moses prays and said, Lord... Would you appoint someone for your people so they will not be like sheep without a shepherd? And Jesus is referencing this when he sees people. His heart is that the people would be spiritually cared for so that they wouldn't be like sheep without a shepherd. There was a thing I was reading in Our Daily Bread, the devotion. Anybody ever read that? Our Daily Bread. Dang. Our Daily Bread and up in here. All right. (laughs) There was a thing I was reading in Our Daily Bread, and they were specifically talking about this passage. And he says, to be sheep without a shepherd, he said they were prisoners in their own souls, hiding their misery and apathy, unable to climb out of the pit. Like sheep without a shepherd. There's no soul care. There's no spiritual nourishment. There's no guidance. There's no relationship with God. And their soul is thirsty. And his heart breaks. This is who his heart broke for. And can I just pause for a little bit here and say this to you this morning. That if you are here today. And you are harassed and helpless. That you find yourself exhausted and just trying to cope, defeated, and you can't catch a break, and life is just beating you up. His heart breaks for you. And our hearts break for you. 
And we want to weep with those who weep. And we want to have a concern for those in their sorrow and their suffering. And if you're here today and you find yourself, you find yourself like sheep without a shepherd. That your soul is heavy, that your soul is thirsty, that there's no soul care or spiritual nourishment happening within your life. His heart breaks for you. He has compassion towards you. And our hearts break for you. Jesus sees you and has compassion. And Jesus is saying, would you come to me? This is his call all throughout the scriptures. Would you come to me that your soul would be satisfied? And we see this in Matthew eleven twenty eight. Do we have it on the screen? Drum roll, please. <laughs> nope, that's not it. We don't have it on the screen. False alarm. Forget I said that, but I'll read it to you. Matthew eleven verse twenty eight. He says, "Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest." Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He is our good shepherd. And can I tell you that this is the good news? If you're wondering, man, what's the good news? How do I preach the good news? This is the good news. This is what we as a church community, we have the opportunity to proclaim to our neighbors and our friends and our family. This news here. And can I tell you, man, there's a lot of people in our world today who are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. There are a lot of people in the world today who are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And we have the opportunity to proclaim this good news that Jesus wants them to come to him. That he wants people to find rest for their souls. That he wants people to be freed from sin. That he wants people to live out of who they were made to be. He wants people to walk into their new identity. And he wants people to walk in freedom. This is the gospel. And we get to proclaim it. This is why the church is the hope of the world. And this is why I love that Jesus didn't look in the synagogue and say, Oh, I have compassion on you. But he went out. He went out of the church building and he seen the people and he had compassion. And so not only do we get to proclaim this good news that Jesus brings, but we get to put it on display when we move towards people with compassion. We get to put it on display. When we walk with people through their sorrows and their sufferings, that is the gospel lived out. The way we live our life backs up the words that we speak. If you're into that kind of thing, that's tweetable right there. If you're into that. Or Instagrammable, right? The way we live our life backs up the words that we speak. This is compassion. And the last thing that we'll look at is that compassion leads action and we will have there we go compassion leads to action in Matthew 9 37 Jesus says to his disciples the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest and send out laborers into his harvest 
And in Matthew 10, 1, he goes on to say, These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You receive without pain, give without pain. And so all the stuff that we've been looking at for the last ten weeks, sharing the gospel, healing, prophecy, community, moving towards those who are far from God. All this stuff that we've been looking at for the last 10 weeks is born out of this compassion that Jesus has for people. It's the thing that marks his life the most. That the compassion that we would feel leads to the action that we take. The compassion that we feel leads to the action that we take. This marked his life. This is what compassion is supposed to do. Compassion is supposed to lead us to action. And this is why, can I just say a little side note? This is why you see those commercials. You ever see those commercials with the dogs and they just look all beat up and sad and in a fence and in a cage? And man, as soon as they come on, I just try to change the channel so fast (laughs) that I'm about to cry, you know? And it's like, if you would just give $1 a day, you know? The reason why they do that is because we see those commercials and we're stirred up with compassion and then we want to move towards action by giving $1 a day. This is what compassion is supposed to do. Compassion is supposed to lead you to action. And this is the same language that James, the brother of Jesus, says in James chapter 2. I don't know if we have it on the screen or not. We probably don't, but hear me out. James chapter 2, he says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace and be warm and filled, without giving them the things they needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Compassion has to lead to action. Faith without works is dead. It has to lead to action. That's what it's supposed to do. Or if you look at just the simple but powerful teachings of Jesus, He says, do unto others as you would have them do to you. It's about as simple as it gets. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. That compassion would lead to action. And this is the Christian call. And this has been the call that followers of Jesus have answered down through history. I'm a big history buff, and you know that. Do we have any new people in here today that are history buffs? I need some people on my side. Golly, come on. All right. Every time I say that, everybody's like, not me. I preached at, uh, on uh, Saturday morning, I preached at Men's Church in the Dirt up in Moab. And I was, I was quoting Dietrich Bonhoeffer from Germany in the 1940s. I was like, anybody a history buff? And like 90% of the guys did this. And I was like, oh, I got some people. <laughs> but there's this one storytelling of Martin Luther. He was a German theologian. And uh, he's talking about, this story tells about how he responded during the bubonic plague in 1527. The bubonic plague just killed millions of people. 
1527, this is how the story goes. It says, in, in 1527, when the bubonic plague hit Wittenberg, Martin Luther refused cause to flee the city and protect himself. He said, I'm not leaving. Rather, he stayed and ministered to the sick. The refusal to flee cost his daughter, Elizabeth, her life. But it produced a track or writing that is titled, Whether Christians Should Flee the Plague. Where Luther provides a clear articulation of the Christian epidemic response. This is what he says. We die at our post. Christian doctors cannot abandon their hospitals. Christian governors cannot flee their districts. Christian pastors cannot abandon their congregations. The plague does not dissolve our duties. It turns them into crosses on which we must be prepared to die. Compassion leads to action. And this is the call for me and for you today. That we would be present enough in our lives to the people around us that we would feel this gut reaction in our heart for the sorrow or suffering of others and that we would move towards action in terms of walking with them. It might not always be, you know, buying a meal from McDonald's, which some people need that. But it might just be sitting with people and listening. It might just be sitting with people and letting them cry and you cry with them. It might just be texting somebody or calling them up and say, hey, can we pray? Can I pray for you right now? Like some action has to be taken when we are moved by compassion. This has to mark our life. And this is what gets me so excited because if, if there is a decline of compassion in our country and an increase of compassion in the church, that is a testament. That is a witness. That draws people to the love of God. That makes the love of Christ known. When there's a decline of compassion in the country and an increase of compassion in the church. And I believe that's our call. And that's what I would love to see here. That's why you see all this stuff with ShareFest and the free food giveaway. And just, just trying to think of ways over and over again that people would not be harassed and helpless and like sheep without a shepherd. That's our call. And so as we close, some practicals for you. Are you like, gosh, I'm so glad we're closing this thing out. <laughs> I get it. It's a heavy one. It's a hard one because it, it hits all of us at home. But this has to be the mark of the Christian life. It has to be. So some practicals for you. The first one is, is to be present. We're not even going to have these on the screen because I just went on. I didn't put them on there. Be present. I was meeting with Dan Cox this week. Him and I were talking. He used to pastor the Canyon View Vineyard Church. And he said something about that ministry is in the interruptions. Allowing yourself to be interrupted in life by other people. In order to do that, you have to be present. When I was working at LSU University in the maintenance department, there's 35,000 kids everywhere. And they were like, man, you have to watch. Because the kids walk around the campus, all, out of 35,000, 30,000 of them 
walk around campus like this. And they would literally cross the street and not even look up. They're like a street's coming in like this. And they just keep walking across. Just unaware of the life around them. Not present at all. To be compassionate, to be moved by compassion, you have to be present. You have to be in the moment with people. Yes, Lord? <laughs> you have to be present. You have to be in the moment with the people. The second thing is, and this is where it's going to get challenging, especially for us in the Western world, is you have to be aware of what you're feeling. A lot of us are like, ooh, that was a gut reaction. That was, I, if somebody ever tells me they felt that in their bowels, I'm going to be like, really? what are you talking about here? But if we were to say, man, oh, we, we, we feel stuff for people and then we try to like avoid it and push it back here or push it down here. But there's a reason why you're feeling that. That's compassion in you welling up. And we need to be aware of that. Gosh, why does my heart break for so-and-so? Oh, they lost their job. Like we have to be aware of what we're feeling. And then two, the last one, third one, we have to be practical. Like there has to be something that you have to do. Some action you have to take. It could be just going for a walk with somebody or praying with them or weeping with them or sitting with them. A lot of times what we do, and I told you this before, we'll, we'll go to McDonald's and we'll buy $5 gift cards. And we'll see people panhandling out on the corner and rather than just passing by and not even being aware of them, we're like, hey man, that's not a whole lot, but here's something for you to eat. When I was in Durango, there was just the homeless population increased crazy. And people would be laid out on the sidewalks in the downtown area and you'd have to step over people and all this kind of stuff. And man, I prayed, Lord, would you break my heart for people here? And what I started to realize was happening is I would walk downtown and I would see people just walking over people or walking by people and not even being aware that it's actual people there. And I would get down and I'd say, hey man, what's your name? You would be amazed their reaction when you ask them what their name is. And I got to hear their stories about how they got into the place that they're in. And can I tell you, we're not all far from being in that place. Because when you hear their stories, like, man, I had a divorce. I lost my job. I, had a, I hurt my back and I got addicted to pain meds. It's like, we're like three steps away from being there. And so you got to hear their story. And when you hear their story and you get to know their name and you get to look them in the eye, man, your heart breaks. Just because they're human. And all I can say is, man, here's a $5 gift card to McDonald's. I hope you like McDonald's. And some of them, they'd be like, I'm gluten-free. And I'm like, gosh, I don't know how to do it. I don't know if there's gluten-free or McDonald's. <laughs> but it was just like being practical. 
what, what can I do? Can I do something? Can I do anything? Pray with them in the moment. I don't, something. Be practical. Put the compassion to action. Amen? You still with me? Okay. You still love me? Yeah. I love that too. morning would you stand with me we're going to take communion this morning and uh miss kim golf herself made communion bread for us and i gotta tell you i think this is like straight what the israelites ate in egypt i just gotta tell you i mean one bite and you're 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 full you know it's like it's like the manna bread right so what we're going to do this morning we're just going to sit we're going to wait a little bit we're going to pray and then we're gonna, I'm going to ask you to come on up. We start with the left side here first, and then we'll go to the right. Grab a juice, grab a bread, go back to your seat, and we're going to take communion together, okay?